Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic Sea Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by coronatools.com, the nation's leader in garden and landscaping tools. Listeners of the Organic View can receive 20% off their coronatools.com purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. That's O-R-G-V-I-E-W. For more promotional offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. And don't forget to check out our contest section. American honeybees and other pollinators are in trouble. Although each administration makes an attempt to do something to help protect our pollinators, we have a long way to go before we can even think about following in the footsteps of the EU and passing a ban on neonicotinoids. Recently, the Congressional Pollinator Protection Caucus was held in Washington, D.C. On today's show, Tom and I are going to talk to Mr. Tim May about this briefing and what he experienced. First, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper, Mr. Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hello, June, and hello, Tim. I don't think we've ever met, but I appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's important for the beekeepers. Thank you, Tom. And our guest Thank today, you. Mr. Tim May. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Uh, my name is Tim May, as June said. I am the president of the American Beekeeping Federation, which is the largest uh, national uh, honeybee organization. We have about... Uh, anywhere between 14 and 1500 members we encompass all beekeepers the entire industry from the small scale beekeepers all the way up to the largest commercial beekeepers uh, we've been around for about 75 years we work on uh, legislative issues uh, lobbying lobbying efforts for the honeybees and the industry and we also have a, a national convention every year that we bring in speakers and presenters uh, for our members, and it's, uh, it's a great organization, and it's, it really works hard for the industry. Thank you. Mr. May, could you also talk about your experience as a beekeeper? How many years and how many colonies do you have? Sure. My business is a family business that's been around for 70 years now. I'm a third-generation beekeeper. We run about um, 1,500 colonies in the northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin area. We're based outside of Chicago. We do uh, mainly for honey production, but we also pollinate for apples, uh, pumpkins, cucumbers, and other vine crops when needed just regionally. We do not ship our bees down south or out west. They do remain in this area for the winter, and um, so we're experiencing some difficulty in that aspect, but uh, the difficulties are happening for even the beekeepers that are moving their bees south. So that's uh, that's pretty much what we do. We are experiencing tremendous losses. In fact, this past year was our the worst loss as far as colonies go for, I think it might have been the second worst loss uh, percentage that we've had in 70 years. So we did lose all, about 80% of our colonies this past year. I'm so sorry to hear that. Do you have a feeling for what the cause of that was, Tim? Well, as uh, as we discussed, and we also discussed at the Pollinator Partnership uh, Caucus, um, we, we we think it's a combination of, of many variables. There's so many variables out there, it's hard to describe and figure out what the, the cause is, and that's 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 the main cause. We just can't find the, the actual cause. Uh, it could be mite. It's partly maybe mite-related. It might be pesticide-related. Our mite levels were fairly consistently low throughout. We did have a couple of 
areas that we had a little bit elevated mite levels, but for the most part, we were at uh, counting zeros and up to maybe threes. Uh, and we test our, our hives all the time. Uh, every time we go in from uh, early spring to, well, not early spring, but mid spring to the, to the fall, we're testing for mites and, and we had pretty good results. Unfortunately, we still lost 80%. And uh, the, the factors are, as, as you've probably heard, the declining bee health is caused by mainly by four different variables, which would be pests, which would include the biggest pests right now would be varroa mites, pathogens, which is any virus that are spread, and a lot of them can be spread uh, through the, the mites, and then pesticides, which obviously is a, a major uh, drain and stress on the bees, and then the last one would be poor nutrition. Due to the lack of diverse forage around nowadays, uh, the bees are not getting what they need uh, as far as nutrition, and it just kind of wears on them. It's, it's all stressors on the bees. And if we could eliminate a couple of those stressors, it'd be nice to see uh, if the bees can recover. And, and you know, if if you do eliminate a couple of stressors, the, the bees would be stronger and might be able to fight off some of the other stressors. So that's that's what we're working on, and that's pretty much what we discussed at the at the caucus at the briefing. Um, there's also a presidential task force for the to promote the national strategy, which is uh, you know promoting the health of honeybees. Uh, President Obama put that out back in 2015, and it encompasses about 15 different agencies. It was uh, put together by the USDA and the EPA, but it's it's really a well-rounded program and report that uh, they have several goals there and benchmarks to achieve those goals. And it's a really, it's a really good program, but um, we're still waiting for it to be fully implement, implemented by uh, by the government. It's just, it's taken a little longer. Uh, some things are getting better, but other things are kind of pushed away. But it's still there, and I know in the Senate Farm Bill they're discussing the uh, this this program and how to keep it uh, keep it going and keep it and you know increase the implementation of it. With regards to this Congressional Pollinator Protection Caucus, who attended and who do you think made the most impact? Well, as far as uh, it, it was it was put on, and actually our first speaker was. Uh, Congressman Hastings from Florida, and he's he's very passionate about bees, as well as uh, Congressman Denham from California. He wasn't able to attend, and actually Congressman Hastings uh, talked for a little bit, but then he had to leave because they were in the middle of the immigration bills and some other voting procedures so, and the farm bill. So he, he was there at the beginning and um, discussed his passion for bees and what, what needs to be done. And there, as far as attendance-wise, I think there was about 300 uh, mostly staffers and then some USDA scientists were there as well. I, I, I couldn't tell you exactly who was there, but I later visits in that week, uh, people did come up to me and say, oh, I saw you at the Pollinator Caucus. Um, so I know it was well attended, and uh, I know one thing, the people that were there were very passionate about uh, the issues with bees. So I, I was very pleased to see that many, that many people there. What information did the government give at this meeting as far as the numbers? Did they give any hard numbers as far as the health of the bees or any type of decline, any any type of figures or facts like that? Well, they they didn't get necessarily give them at this caucus, but there there are, there are numbers out there. The USDA does a uh, a report, actually a quarterly loss report for honeybees. So all all beekeepers are uh, asked to fill out these reports that. Uh, talk about how many losses they've had, increase in, increase in bee colonies or loss of bee colonies. 
And um, the problem, the only issue I had with, which I did state to USDA when we met with them, was the, uh, the accuracy of these reports. Um, what we've heard lately is that the, uh, the health of the bees is kind of remaining steady and the numbers are remaining steady. Well, the only reason they're remaining steady is because beekeepers are really working to get their numbers up because they've got pollination contracts, mainly in California with the almonds, and they've got to have a certain amount of, of uh, colonies for those in February to get those going. They've got to be strong, strong enough because they, they count frames and everything else in the, in the almond groves. Uh, so that's uh, that's why we're keeping the numbers up. Although we're still losing on an on an annual basis, uh, they say it's about forty one to forty three percent annually colony loss, which um, which isn't sustainable. You you can't just keep splitting your hives to make up for the losses. They just become weaker, and a smaller smaller colony is going to be more susceptible to those uh, those four stressors that I discussed earlier. Tim. Uh- Will you yes, be sir. able to recover from an 80% loss and still meet your honey production objectives and your pollination contracts? Um, you know, we've been saying for the last 10 years that these losses are unsustainable, but here we are. And uh, I think, as you said, it's to the credit of the beekeeper's efforts, but we can't continue to go on like this. And uh, no, can you recover? No. Uh, well, I'm, we're down, like I said, we normally have between 15 and 1600 colonies. We're, this year we'll probably be around 1400. Um, we are able to, uh, since we don't do a huge amount of pollination, we, we're okay with, with that, uh, getting the numbers for that. But we had to purchase a lot of, lot of bees this year. And that gets to be a big expense. And when you're buying bees, as you probably know, you, you can't you can't get terms six month terms or three month terms and say oh, you know I'll pay you when I get my honey crop in no you got to pay pay right away when you're purchasing bees so we had a we purchased more bees this year than we ever have and obviously with the demand and the hobbyists and everything else and the decline in bee health the the price of of bees has gone way up as well um, the price of just a queen bee if you're going to go out to some of the California queen beater queen breeders. Uh, price of queen bees is now about thirty dollars, which is that's that's a tremendous expense if you've got to go buy a thousand of those. Um, so it's and then packages of bees are over a hundred dollars, hundred and fifteen, even one hundred and twenty dollars. I've heard. So it's you can't I can't do it financially. I can tell you that if we have uh, if this happens several years in a row, we we will not be able to survive. I know that we we do pack all our honey as well, so we get a decent amount of money for our honey. We're not just selling it to a packer and, and getting the market price. We are setting our own prices. And since we're outside of Chicago, we have a multitude of potential customers and, and local honey is a huge uh, seller around here. I, to be honest with you, I don't have any competition with local honey in my area. I'm the guy. So that definitely helps out. But uh, it is not sustainable, as you said. And the funny thing is, if well, it's not funny, but if any other livestock, uh, and we are considered a livestock at this point, if any other livestock in the egg business was having losses of 40 to 50 percent annually, there it would be it would be outcry everywhere. There's if cattle or beef or even dairy, they lost like losses like that would be would be you know would be really out there in the news, and they would they would have found a, a solution for it by now. But um, the one good thing we have going for us, I mean, I guess it's good and bad. Bees multiply pretty quickly. So as long as you can keep a certain threshold of bees, you can keep your numbers up. But I don't think that's good for the colony health, uh, reducing the size of the colonies. Uh, I know back in the 70s, we probably had, you know, we had many colonies with 80,000 plus bees in it. And now 
most of our counties are probably sitting between 50 and 65,000 bees in the, at the peak in the summer. So, and then they just start to dwindle down. Unfortunately, we've seen early losses September uh, by the mid September, you can see the, the bees starting to decline, just the size of the cluster uh, gets smaller and smaller. And by the time, you know, Thanksgiving rolls around or whatever, a lot of our losses have occurred already. Um, if we can get the bees to stay, keep them alive till December or so, we usually have pretty good success, um, but it's that it's that late it's that fall and late fall that, that's when we're losing a lot, and and we're still we don't know what's causing the causing the losses. It's they they keep telling us it's the four P's, but um, I'm not sure. I just wish more re- research was done to find a an actual <clears throat> what what's causing it rather than just the symptom. You know, we've heard CBD, uh, but that's I've had some conversations with commercial beekeepers, and they're talking about the ELAP program. And as I understand it, if you have a farm income of over $1,000, any losses over 15% can be compensated at $142 a colony. Is that accurate? Are you able to avail yourself of that? And what kind of an effect is that having on these losses for the beekeepers? Yeah, that 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 program is very good. In fact, they had a twenty million dollar cap on that program nationally, so no one was getting one hundred forty nine dollars per loss. They were getting a percentage of that because it was applied for by many beekeepers, so that money went fairly quickly. So we did it. We applied, I think it was three four years ago, and I think we got about thirty percent of what we were supposed to, you know, qualified for. But with that program, it is a good program, and it is needed. Um, you have, if, if we didn't have it available to us, we probably would, wouldn't be in business there. We'd be really struggling. Um, but the thing is, uh, with that program, you, it's, it only, you only qualify for certain types of losses. Uh, weather-related is, for some reason, USDA uh, put the, it's a weather-related program for the most part. So in our area, if temperatures dip below a certain temperature for a, a, length, a certain length of time, you can qualify, but if it doesn't and you're still losing the bees, uh, it doesn't qualify. Like anything with the mites, if, if your bees are determined to die because of the mites, that does not qualify. So it's, it's mainly a weather-related related program, um, and if you can prove that your bees were affected by, like I said, the, a weather program, then you can get uh, get some compensation for that. The uh, the focus of this program, obviously, it's the neonicotinoid view, has been the neonicotinoids. Has there been any careful survey in your area, in your territory, of the uh, the soil and, and groundwater contamination with neonics? Where, what's your view on that? Because well, we feel I, I that the neonics are playing a major role in these losses. Right. No, I, I, I know I know that's what you said. Um, there, there hasn't been a lot of that right around us, but I, I, I feel that they are causing damage, too. And I, I think the banning by the EU of neonics is a good start. And um, I don't know if that's going to happen in the, in the U.S. after talking to EPA. It's not going to happen right now. But uh, they're they're watching what happened in, in the EU and how their results will be for uh, honeybee health. And that's a good model for us because I know the, the uh, growers out there in the EU, they were not happy with the ban, but they're, they're going to come up with some solutions, some alternative methods uh, to control their test, test problems. And um, that someday will be a model for us over here. We can do the same things. Chemical companies are probably already 
you know, obviously they're working on alternatives for our, for, um, for pest control and, and it'll start in Europe and then hopefully the EPA sees that here and we'll have enough uh, public opinion against the neonics that they look a little closer and start thinking about banning certain ones. So that's, that's pretty much where we're at right now. Uh-huh. Tim, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today and we appreciate all of your time. I hope that you do come back on the show to talk about future developments as well as your own operation. It's always interesting to connect with other commercial beekeepers and see what they're dealing with, especially during these times. Yes, I, I appreciate being on. I'd, I'd love to come back if there's any updates or anything. Uh, I will kind of dis- I can discuss that with you. But um, like I said, the, the federal strategy is great. And let's just hope we can complete uh, implementation of that and continue. Uh, but the, the neonics are a problem. And I'm just I'm just very interested in seeing what what happens in Europe. And, and hopefully we can use that as a model here in the U.S. And I think it will help the honeybee health. Thank you, Tim. Could Before you go, could you share with our listeners sure. your organization's website and also if you have a website of your own for your company? Sure. Our, our organization is the American Beekeeping Federation, and the website is abfnet.org. And there's a lot of information on it if people want to join. They've got uh, everything about our organization is on that website. And uh, my company is uh, Sunny Hill Honey, and we're out of Chicago. And uh, our website also is just SunnyHillHoney.com. But um, so if you're in Chicago and you're looking for honey, please buy Sunny Hill Honey. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And Tom, thank you for joining us. Also, it's always great to have you. Thank you, June, and thanks, Tim, for taking the time to talk to us. I hope we can talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Tune in as Tom and I continue the discussion about the impact of neonicotinoids. Have a great afternoon.